Welcome to the seventh episode of All of the Above, a weekly podcast about something. Each week, we pick a topic and look at it from the perspective of a full-stack designer, an instructional designer, and a software engineer. My name is Brian Brush, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Sean Duran and Sam Banner. How are you guys doing this evening? Doing pretty good this evening. We got a little bit of snow today, so that, that changed a lot of things for us. Yeah, today was a good day. It was a snow day for me. I don't go to school, but I didn't have to go to work, so I counted it as a snow day. But instead of doing anything for the whole first hour of my day, I decided to shovel off the whole sidewalk of my street and then brush off all the cars that of people I knew on my street. That's the most, like, uh, old-timey Norman Rockwell-sounding thing I've heard in a while. I got a cool shovel that has, like, a very ergonomic handle, and it's a, it's actually fun to shovel, so... I really want to see the shovel. Yeah, it was now. all about you this morning, then. It was. And then I got so many Nike fuel band points, it's pretty ridiculous. Or fuel points, yeah. You still actually use a fuel band? <laughs> I know. Uh, this is, like, my second one. I didn't buy two. I just, I have, I happened to get a second one. The only button on there, it just deflates and then you can't press it anymore. So it's more like a bracelet now. And the only way I can see anything is hook it up through the computer because the software on the phones don't sync up to it because the firmware update screwed everything. And it's like, we're working on a fix, but that's been like four months. So that's been my life. Didn't they disband the entire team? That too. So I don't think there's ever going to be <laughs> yeah. a fix. <laughs> No, I think it's just stuck that way. They probably <laughs> fired the whole engineering department that made that one little button, and they're like, we might as well let go of all of these software people at this point, too. Yeah, but the firmware isn't related to the button deflating. Like, two separate incidences, but both totally screw me over. So I have to hook it up to my computer every time I want to see how many points I got. So you should probably just pick up another product out there. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I feel like, holy crap, Sam. You didn't know this, but that's a sort of a good segue to go into what we're going to do. There we go. I'm all about the segues. So we're going to be talking about communication or messaging, actually. Messaging is the official title. And the reason why that's sort of a good segue is because I was going to talk about like intimate, intimate communication, such as an Apple Watch of sorts, along with different channels of how we communicate and the fidelity of those things. So Sean, do you want to... Uh kickstart your uh, section of it yeah uh there, there's just so many ways that i can tell someone something and it could be either one-on-one -on -one communication or it could be more of like a sh which would be like a normal conversation uh, or it could be sort of like twitter where you're sort of you have a megaphone and then it just goes out and it just depends on who's listening to your megaphone uh and it's sort of a little bit weird not a little bit weird i say a little bit weird a lot actually i've i've I realized that after listening to all these things i say a little bit weird a lot you, you also say a little bit <laughs> a little bit a little bit weird as I well know. i'm sorry i just i don't, I don't know what it, what it is about that yeah we should delve we should delve into this because listening to you say a little bit a little bit yeah you say it like i don't know just the way you say it like a little bit 
a little bit. But you just, I don't know. There's something about it. It just I, sounds. Well, I remember I there was, used to be this rapper called Little Flip. I think he had one song. It was uh, Sunshine. It had like the same three guitar chords throughout the whole song. Like Little Flip. It might be a Little Flip a little bit because I, I went around saying Little Flip a lot because I thought it was just a weird name. Anyway, messaging. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Um, yeah, I just, uh, how many sensors there are now and how like their, your phone has like an accelerometer, uh, motion control, well, motion chip, which is a little bit different than the accelerometer, uh, GPS, it knows exactly where you are in the world. And then if you add like the Apple watch to that or any kind of sensor, it sort of gives more context as to who who you are and what you are at that given point in time. So Brian, let's say I am in a conversation with you. Okay. Okay. Okay, cool. We're on the same page. So I'm trying to meet you up, meet up with you (laughs) at some kind of bar and that's all fine and dandy. And we've just been doing this through like text messages or iMessages or whatever you want to call those. And I don't really know how your day's going. Don't really know what's happening. I just, I'm texting you. If you add another layer of information to that, like as to where you are. So I'm like, oh, I, he's at work. Cool. I know what kind of environment you're getting these messages in and then sort of interpreting, interpreting, interpreting. Good job, Sean. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. So yeah, there's that context. And then if you add like, oh, he's like, for some reason, he's really sweaty today, just as a thing. Like maybe he's nervous. Maybe he's sick. Things I wouldn't know normally through a text message it just add layers and layers. And then it could somehow, if you with messaging as it continues on, you'd sort of know these things by how it's designed. So if I were to text you and then I, it would be like maybe like a green bubble, which normally nowadays it would be a text message as a normal text message if you were on iOS. Um, but that could mean like, hey, I'm in a healthy mood today. I have lots of fuel points if you have to go through that measure. And I recorded in my journal whatever it's it's been a good day so it would just add all these sort of layers to it and even like heartbeats that's like telling you hey this guy's going crazy today i guess and and i was thinking about this when i watched the like apple watch announcement where they introduced the whole being able to send your heartbeat to each other thing which i'm just going to annoy all of my friends with the heartbeat thing so i really hope there's a do not disturb specifically for that feature but uh, do you feel at any point we've reached like a different type of communication that needs to be sort of named? Um, whereas like when we're speaking in person, we can view body language, which communicates so much and we're able to read that. Um, and in a way, this sort of intimate communication from a distance is related to that, but it's also different because it's not something you can visibly see, but it's something that you have to sort of analytically look at. Mm. Uh, what is like a name that you would suggest for this style of communication? It'd be, I guess it's a more personal, deeper kind of way of communicating digitally, at least. Because if you're in person, then you get the whole shebang mm-hmm. to some extent. You get lots of the environmental factors. You get context clues. You get the vibe <laughs> of what's happening. And even eye contact. You don't have, if if you're doing like a FaceTime or Skype video chat, there's still lag. So that's inherently not going to sync up as it would in real life. So there's that, but then there's also with the digital commun- like communication is that you have all these other things that you wouldn't necessarily know. 
such as their heart rate, which is sort of hard to tell just looking at someone. Mm-hmm. And also just what they've gone in through that day. Because you could see the history of someone's day if they so desire. When if you're just doing personal communication, you'd have to ask that question, which it's nice human interaction, but it's sort of through their lens telling you rather than just looking at the data itself. That makes sense. No, it does. It It's just an incredibly like complex thing to think about. And I'm really happy that you introduced it as a topic because while I was thinking about the absurdity of sending a heartbeat, which a lot of has sort of become a, a joke amongst a lot of people <laughs> yeah. that can actually communicate a lot of information. Um, especially if say you just had finished a run and somebody asked how your run was, it'd be a clever way to communicate, like sending your heartbeat and the other person being, being able to feel how fast your heart is beating at that moment. Um, but in the same way, like just being able to look up where somebody's been throughout the day via their, uh, like geolocation tags, that is also an incredibly intimate way of looking at something, but also in a way almost creepy because before we were able to hide certain bits of where we've been in a day um i always remember like my dad saying he was just going to go out to the mall and then he would come back with a new car and he was actually out (laughs) buying a new car um so things tricky yep Uh, although he had good reason for doing it that way. Cause the first time him and my mom shopped together for a car, she said, Oh honey, that's a really good price right in front of the salesman. And my dad was furious cause he was going to talk them down. Yeah. That's haggling 101 not to do. Yep. Um, but like being able to see all of that information, it also creates a new level of having to manage privacy and what our expectations for privacy are. So it just is a very, very broad, complex topic that you've sort of introduced. And I really am going to have to spend a lot of time thinking about that. Yeah, because if it's everything is opt in, then that could be a lot of work. But if it's opt out, that means a lot of, you know, private information is just out in the either. So you have to find that good balance between like what should be sort of inherently known. But I would sort of default to everything has to be opt in because otherwise we're just creepy. <laughs> um, so Sam, since I know we've been talking a little bit about uh, intimate ways of communicating and how there are so many different ways to communicate now, do you want to hop into your topic? Yeah. Uh, mine was like the first time there was really kind of an, a way to convey more than just words. Uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, emojis, really. So an emoji itself is uh, originated from Japan as a pictograph or a smiley or an there's there's so many different names for them. Emoji, people usually think of emoji as uh, being like emotion, uh, but it has nothing to do with emotion or when it first came out. Uh, it literally meant picture character, e-picture, emoji character. So um, kind of started back in the day. Uh, it was 1998 when... Uh, emojis became a thing mm. and there were 172 of them uh, and they were just small little pixelated emojis so it kind of just conveyed a smile of sorts or different things out there it's like the no. original set of pokemon yeah yeah except there were what 22 more of these yeah yeah 
I'm really proud of the fact that Sam was able to automatically do the math <laughs> as to the difference between emoji and Pokemon. Yeah, and then we have Mew and Mewtwo, but does that really count? Like, or no, Mew was 150, right? I don't know. Mm, was that 151? I don't know. Now we now we're gonna have so many of our listeners that are Pokemon fans. So many of them just got angry with us. I know. I should have stopped when I had the 150 down. I should have just stopped there. It's okay. I have, I never played the Game Boy game. I've I only played the card game, and no one liked me because who played the card game? They only collected it. No one really played it. I played both. I played one competitively, which is probably the geekiest thing about me. But <laughs> I'm not sure why we're even podcasting at this point if you've never played the Game Boy game. Well, okay. It's sort of like the Walking Dead scenario. Like, I've played, I don't know, maybe for 30 minutes, but it wasn't my Game Boy, and it was not my game. I never owned a Game Boy either. Wow. This, my whole heart hurts for you. But I know. This is, this is the worst. I'm going to bring us back to the topic again, just so I don't have to start breaking down in tears for your ruined childhood. I'm sorry. I, you know what? I, I should probably never go first. I feel like I should probably go last whenever we do these topic things, just because I feel like in the beginning I'm I'm on, I'm on edge, and then after the words I'm just a loose cannon because I'm like I'm done. It's like when you do your last <laughs> final, and you're like you know what? Already checked out. Yeah, life's good. This is Tuesday, so I have I have a whole week for a weekend. That's what's happening now. Well, I hope on that weekend you spend it with uh, a Game Boy and Pokemon. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> and then you can send us smiley face emojis because you realize how wonderful your life is now that you've played. Yeah, well, or I'll send you some GIFs or Snapchats because those are cool. Anyway, Sam, do your thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so emojis... Uh... Really, all it is is a character encoding that goes by a standard. It's uh, ISO 8859 is the actual standard. Uh, ISO stands for International Organization for Standardization. And then it's just one of the components of that. So it's a way for people to standardize what characters we see instead of the basic actual characters on a keyboard from whatever language you're coming from. Right now, we're at Unicode 6.1. That's the last official release. Of course. Yeah. 7.0 is the in the draft phases right now, and it's been proposed as a draft, not even a release, but usually people pick it up when it's a draft. Uh, right now, it's being run by Google and Apple. Those are really the only two companies like kind of taking hold of this and really doing different things with it. There's a lot of uh, controversy out there or things being picked up probably by Fox News uh, about how there's no... <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no diversity in uh, emojis. They're all just the same color. And uh, so that's become a thing. So uh, in the new Unicode standard uh, 7.0, there's going to be skin tone modifiers, which are actually pretty cool. The proposal that they have and how they have it set up. I'm pretty excited to see how this is implemented. Yeah, but why were they all pretty much just white people? And then the non-white people were depicted in stereotypical and semi-racist ways, such as like the Indian guy in a turban. I don't know. This was 1998 in Japan. I don't think there were a lot of, there's not a lot of diversity in Japan. And I think in 98, there wasn't, there was even less. Yeah, that's why majority of the characters, when you look on there, they have to do like around the the Japanese culture. Uh, and America and India and... Uh, Europe have all kind of picked it up and added their own little things to it, but it's still mostly 
centered around uh, Japanese culture. So that's why I assume. Uh, right now there are, what, 722 different emojis out there. Uh, 7.0 is going to make uh, almost 1,300 different emojis. A lot of really cool things like the middle finger, which people have been talking about forever. That's what they want. For some reason, they just want to send that to people. There are a lot of times I want to send it to you, Sam. Yeah, I I get that. That probably happens a lot. Uh, (laughs) Not just you, pretty much everybody, I would assume. Uh, But they're kind of separated in uh, different groups. We have our people emojis, our nature emojis, objects, places, and symbols. Most symbols and the symbol emojis have to do with the Japanese culture. So a lot of it kind of doesn't make sense to us, but you can still use it to make some pretty cool things. And you can always use Siri to tell you what is being texted. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I like I like it when she says, smiling pile of poo. Yeah, it favorite. is pretty great. And I don't know if you guys have ever used a Japanese keyboard uh, and actually type things up like on a phone. They have a different style of typing than what we do. It's not like a standard keyboard where you type. It's more of a swipe and different characters pop up. But when they say a word like gun or things like that, the emoji pops up instead of the actual word. Hmm. So it's kind of ingrained within their digital culture to say these emojis other than words which is actually really unique especially the first time that i actually saw it i was kind of amazed yeah because that sort of helps break down barriers between two languages two people that speak two different languages if you're just using icons and symbols because those are sort of they're universal that actually and it sounds like a sort of silly fact but when we look at emojis the research has shown that it actually taps into the part of our brain that would recognize art or pictures or photos uh, versus the part that's going to recognize language which sounds sort of duh of course uh, when you first hear it but if you really think about that that means that it's communicating on a level that's completely separate from language which is perhaps a bit more universal in communication and it's sort of like uh cave drawings if you were to digitize them but it's a preset standard set of cave drawings that everyone has uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh just how it, it can they can tell stories like if have you guys ever watched uh at midnight tv show it's sort of like jeopardy meets whose line is it anyway no it's actually in my to watch list because you had recommended it to me once before they sometimes have a bit where it's just here are like three or four em- emojis and then try and come up with a sentence that makes sense of these things. And then usually they're, you know, not PG, <laughs> but they're like, you can still like understand like, oh, I can figure out some kind of interconnectivity between this guy, this guy and this guy. While if you just show me like Chinese symbols and characters, I wouldn't even have the slightest inclination like, hmm, that sort of looks... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and there was also that game that was obnoxiously popular for a while where it presented a set of emoji and you had to figure out what the translation would be. Um, and then I know also people have also played games like uh, there's a podcast called IRL Talk where Faith Corpy, one of the hosts on theirs, will uh, post on her Tumblr a set of emoji that is her trying to translate a movie title to emoji and then people have to guess what the movie was. <laughs> and that's all just, uh, it's very interesting how we can communicate in these clever ways using such a 
what is currently a fairly limited set of characters, but is slowly expanding yeah. to an insane amount. Do you guys think that if this, like, what if this wasn't a standard? What if every country had their own set of emojis or even every company would have their own set of emojis? Right now we have every company, they have different uh, renderings of these emojis, but they're all pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. But what if they kind of just came up with their own? Do you think that would still, it would still have the same effect as it does being a standard? I fear that it wouldn't. Like, if we already look at just the symbols and the current set of emoji, how you mentioned that a lot of them are derived from important aspects of Japanese culture, but don't necessarily make sense to us. I feel like it would slowly devolve more or evolve, depending on how you want to perceive this, but change in a way that will become unrecognizable to people of other cultures or other default languages. Um, So I'm not sure it would be very beneficial. It's almost better that it's a standard and everyone's contributing input. Yes, yes. Well, um, on that point, Sam, was there anything else that you wanted to say about emoji or Sean? Yeah, go ASCII. This is uh, this is exciting. (laughs) If you want to email me, I'm at um, smiling pile of poo dragon dragon sushi at iCloud.com. So. Did you just register that while we were podcasting? No, but whoever has that will be thankful. <laughs> okay. I was really hoping you registered it and somehow forwarded it to our actual email account for the show. Um, That's the other thing, too. You can do emojis in uh, inter- internet browsers. Have you ever been to smilingpileofpoo.com? Where it just spins, yeah, yeah. in a circle. Poopla. Yep. Yeah, it's not dot. It's dot la. Yeah, dot la, because it's it's poopla. Yeah, <laughs> poopla. That's a good one. It would be cool if you had top level domains as emojis. It would be like Sean dot poop. That'd be cool. It's a really great idea, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but it would get so ridiculous. So no, wait, no. You just have one character. You wouldn't have to like. You wouldn't go crazy with that. Like two. It would just be one. Because if there's like a hundred one thousand seven hundred going to be on deck, that's going to be plenty. <laughs> which actually, that makes me think. Do you guys feel there would ever be a point at which we reach too many emoji? Uh, like I know the Chinese language has it's somewhere around ten thousand characters. Uh, and that's part of what makes it so difficult, but emoji are on a whole other level where you can communicate even more and just keep creating so many of them. Do you feel there's a maximum number that we should hit? I wouldn't say there's a maximum number that we should hit, but it sort of goes against how we would think of just ideas. Because when we have letters, they're building blocks for words, which are just our way of trying to communicate concepts. And when you string together words into a sentence, that's just like, hey... These things sort of go together. But when you have images or just pretty much pictures, you're limited by your picture palette. And then you have to go within that. So let's say if it's huge, then you're sort of, there's a problem of trying to find the ones that you want. So if you are used to 170 or 500, however many there are right now, cool. And then there's like 2,000 more added to it. I don't know how useful those 2,000 more will be if you... It's sort of um, like recognition versus recall. You would have to recall what you want or recognize what you want. And then that takes a lot of time, possibly. So it would just depend, like, hmm, am I spending way too much time trying to communicate this idea just through energy when I could have just easily and more efficiently and also just, you know, get on with my life better if I do it just through other means? 
I, I can see some of that. I also wonder if it would depend by language. Because um, with us, in our 26-character alphabet, we just can write out words fairly quickly. But if you are... Yeah, we got it made. Yeah, but if you're speaking Japanese or Chinese, where they have... Well, Japanese, I won't even get into that, because they have three different alphabets, if I remember correctly. Yep. But Chinese, where there are so many different <laughs> characters... Um, they are able to recall those by what I've been able to see fairly well. Um, and then they can even combine them in clever ways where the symbol for tree, when put next to each other, like if you just put it in twice, that indicates forest. forest. Exactly. So, uh. um, that clever use of what is essentially images, um, but are now just communicated as characters can communicate a lot of information and they haven't run into issues with that recall and then they can even run into clever scenarios where they can write books that can only be read but can never be spoken because when spoken it wouldn't make sense but when visually read it is clear to them i'll have to see if i can recall which uh chinese novelist it is that's done some work like that so i i do wonder if our perception of emoji and our capabilities of using them are dependent upon the languages that we're already speaking yeah, I mean, yeah, we're all coming from this from the English speaking lens of the world, so it's a it's gonna be different everywhere else. Also, have you guys ever seen Korean and know how that all works? Just like like how they write it. Oh, I've seen it. I've yeah, I've seen it. It's a very pretty, happy looking language, but I know nothing about how it's written. It's so awesome. Just it'll take a little bit more time than necessary to explain, but pretty much it's like. If you had to design a language that has to be written, you'd probably do it this way. <laughs> it's like it's so awesome. That's all I say. All right, now I'm really excited to go look this up later. Oh yeah, uh, halfway through through the show notes. I mean, halfway through the show. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> we have show notes. Uh, Mr. Brian, would you know what the URL is off the top of your head? Yeah, if you go to alloftheabove.audio slash episodes slash 007, you'll be able to find our show notes there. Uh, and then we'll also see if we can uh, link to our Pinterest, which usually takes a little bit to get set up for each show, but that will give you this really cool visual overview of our show notes. Um, so if you're somebody who doesn't want to sit and click through a bunch of links or read, but only wants to see images uh, that jump out to you or that sound uh or i guess appear interesting sexy you can sexy is another good word for it yeah. uh you can go about it that way mm. um so that usually takes us a little bit to get set up just because that is so much uh searching for these various links and configuring them into pinterest um but that is another option well done thank you for thank you yeah no problem and so with that since uh we're talking. So one more thing, oh, wow. really quick. All right. Oh my god! <laughs> Just step on me, Sam. Yeah, sorry. So right now there are 722 emojis. Mm. There are currently 719 identified Pokemon. Uh, oh. So I think we're pretty close to a threshold, or Pokemon needs to step up their game and double, kind of like what emojis are gonna do. I, I, I don't know. I think you found something that even the CIA hasn't uncovered yet. Like you've broke new ground right now. Like it. Keep up the good work. My mind is actually shattered that there are more emoji, and I can probably recall more of those than Pokemon now. <laughs> well, they got so lazy. Like one was an ice cream cone. Like, they didn't even try. They were like, what's an ice cream cone? Yeah. I know that 
I like the whole idea of Pokemon. I forget the real word in the beginning. It's just like items that have taken on anthropomorphic characteristics. Yeah. I forget the whole doodles. But if you go to our website, I'll remember the doodles because Google exists. Yeah. We'll have a ton of pictures of Pokemon, I'm sure, too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So anyway, I'm going to try to segue one more time and hopefully Sam won't step on me. All right. You're good this time. I don't know. I'm gonna give you the oh, fine shot. No, no, no. I'm giving you the option to just jump, not even segue. You're like jumping. Well, see, no, I I'm gonna segue. Okay. Um, because we were just talking about how you're gonna be able to look this up on Google and get that information, and we'll be able to communicate that later. Yeah. Which ties in a bit with my topic of how we are constantly connected and always capable of communicating, uh, even information that isn't actually within our own memory, but we know is stored somewhere on the web. We can find that so quickly and communicate it. Um, So last year, one of my favorite books that I read was called The End of Absence uh, by Michael Harris. And in it, he questions whether this uh, constant connection that we are all experiencing, this new world that we are in, um, whether that is something that's actually potentially damaging or dangerous for us. Um, So I guess I was just thinking, Sean, how there now, you mentioned there are so many ways to communicate and Sam really honed in on one of those, which is emoji. And we're able to do this at any time of day and send it within seconds to somebody else. Do you guys feel there's any potential negative to always being connected? Yes. Yeah. The, the great, uh, the great Ron Swanson actually talked about this quite a bit is he wanted to be off the grid, completely disconnected from the world, which is great to do that, but it's, it's difficult to not really be connected uh, it does have its benefits, obviously, like to be completely disconnected, but I don't think that's even a possibility, like remotely a possibility in today's world. So it kind of does like, it's kind of, I don't know, big brother's always watching. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's something that I think is a incredible thing and I'm happy that we have that access, but I'm also somebody, we're really the last people who will know what it was like growing up without internet and then knowing what it was like with internet. Um, so maybe we are so excited and positive about the opportunity just because we've seen it come to fruition and we feel so closely attached to it. But for the generation below us who has always grown up in this connected state, do you think that this may potentially affect their uh, views on memorizing information and their approaches to recalling information. Well, if you if you throw like humans into this world and then you let them do their thing, they'll gather, they'll figure out, oh, communities are nice, we share the burden of existing, and then you just go on to today. The amount of time that we've had with this like always on, always connected, one second away from just connecting with someone, it's sort of, we're not really programmed to know what to do with all this stuff we're still trying to figure out 
what is good what is best practice what is not you know well just like the the entirety of the internet if you put something on the internet it will probably it's going to stay there pretty much for forever and dealing with that i don't think we've sort of got a handle on so i guess this is our learning period of trying to figure out what the etiquette is for all that stuff um yeah and it's definitely something that's difficult to place down because like i was saying i'm really happy that we're in this time period but i also can see some of the negatives um and while it's even a ridiculous um thing that's going on but it is now a serious issue is this whole concept of cyberbullying where now we are in a way expected to make our lives publicly available to people through social networks or through writing blogs or even through podcasting and that opens us up to a vulnerable state where people that we don't even know are now able to communicate with us and potentially uh, send negative messages or communicate negative things to us, uh, which has resulted in some severely negative stories uh, as far as suicide even. Um, So do you think that even though it's a learning phase for us, do you think it's okay that we are going through this awkward growth stage where such negative things can happen? Or do you feel there's just a, a like a thing that we need to step back from where we need to reassess how we approach this world of constant communication? I think uh, these negative things, like negative things like this, like that's how you produce innovation, how you kind of evolve into something else is you need to learn from the experiences and they can't all be good experiences. Uh, good experiences, you learn from those, but you also learn from bad experiences. So this is another thing that kind of needs to be... So I think it's like this natural evolution, like this is kind of how it should be going. Okay, I can see that. And I mean, certainly in terms of innovation or identifying problems that need to be solved, they often result from the recognition of some serious bad that is found. Um, So it could just be a bit of like fear in one way or the other relating to this. But Sean, it sounded like you had a thought. Yeah, well, it's just... When you create something, like when Tim Berners-Lee was like, you know what, guys, I'm going to try and make this thing called an internet. I don't think he ever imagined in his wildest dreams, like, you know what, this could kill people sometime in the future. Like, that's nowhere probably in any part of his mind when he was doing this. So this is just a new form of how we interact with each other. And the way people interact in real life can carry over into a digital life, both the good and the bad. Hopefully we can minimize the bad with whatever kind of blocks or guardianship or just plain old common sense. But it still doesn't get away from the fact that we are humans connecting to humans just using bits and bytes. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a incredibly difficult subject and one that I've spent a lot of time over the past year analyzing and thinking about. Um, And I certainly wouldn't change very much of our history as to how we've approached communicating and constant connection via the internet. Um, But it is something that I hope as we move forward, people are more conscious of all of the issues that can come about as we're developing all these insane new ways to communicate to each other. And we're communicating information that before was never available to anyone, um, such as like Sean, we had talked about. Uh, locations and heartbeats and even the possibility of communicating how much we're sweating. Um, So these things are something that I think are are definitely something we should be very focused on as we move forward. I think our generation in particular is so excited by all of this new technology that comes out that we often jump into it 
way too quickly, uh, and we don't sometimes take a second to assess what is the potential positives and what are the potential negatives of this new approach to communication. Um, so hopefully it is just something that we can continue to keep at our forefront so that we can limit those negatives. Because I think, like you, how you were saying, when the internet was developed, they weren't saying, I am death destroyer of worlds. <laughs> they were thinking, uh, like, this is going to be a really beneficial tool. And I think sometimes we have to th make ourselves think of what the potential negatives or downsides are. Yeah. And we have to also be like cognizant, not how we're interact interacting with each other, but how this just affects ourselves, even if you're not being a part of conversation you are just an outside observer looking at this you can develop like whatchamacallit <laughs> the thing the you develop oh my this is not a good place to get stuck normally i can jump in and help you <laughs> yeah no this is uh eating disorders yeah that's what i was thinking the like you there's like thinspiration blogs that you're like hey look at this and then it, they just sort of grandize this whole idea of like hey you gotta be very very thin or the fear of missing out on hey if i don't check instagram then i won't know what has happened in the past three hours with my friends and being a completionist can sort of if you don't complete it then you have this sort of part of yourself just wonders like what did i miss what what happened when i was not there which is which could happen like if we had a party in real life cool like oh i didn't i wasn't at the party that sucks but i could still ask you guys what's happening if i missed like a whole day of twitter i would never <laughs> be like hey you know what brian and sam what happened yesterday on the internet you <laughs> i don't think that conversation would ever happen but that could still be a feeling that happens inside of people that are grown to just this is their life this is part of their reality and just it molds your brain in a different way and just like how you were talking about like how this could affect like learning and it definitely alters some kind of brain patterns and how the consumption of information is different and what kind of parts of the brain it feeds so I don't know where I started, but that's where I ended. I don't know. I think that was a pretty good summary of sort of the things that we need to keep an eye out for and that there are benefits, but also some very dark negatives to it. Um, so it is something that I would definitely like to hear from if there are any listeners who want to share like negatives or positives that they've seen to this constant connection that we're experiencing. Um, or even stories of like when you've left your phone at home and had to deal with a day of that missing out, um, whether you ended up thinking that that was a positive or a negative thing on your life. And then maybe we can look at those situations and realize what is actually uh, like positive about all of this, or if it's really no different than we were before and we just are looking at it a little too deeply. Um, but yeah, we're just the Flintstones just given gizmos. Yeah. We're the Jetsons. But no, we're the Flintstones in the Jetsons world. I think there was a crossover at one point. There was a Jetsons crossover where the Jetsons fell down to the Flintstones. I don't know if they, if it was in reverse, though. Yeah, I don't think the Flintstones ever came up, but I think the Jetsons did fall down. Mm. Well, I guess we'll do part two of that. We'll do the Flintstones go back up. No, the Flintstones go up. They don't go back. They go up. I hope the majority of people listening know what the Jetsons and the Flintstones are. Don't make me feel old, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> well, they aired like before we were born, so that's not... Yeah, but they were like syndicated heavily when we were young. That's true. Like crazy heavily. Yes.
Cool. I think that wraps it up. Oh, also, if uh, to add to what Brian said, not just the bad things, but if you like met a friend and then you have lifelong relationship with this person that you would probably never have met due to the fact that you live two countries away, let us know that about that too, because that's cool that you now have a friend that physically isn't there. I know lots of World of Warcraft people become like, you know, buddies. Mm. Yeah. I mean, even just through performing magic as a hobby um not like uh witchcraft voodoo magic but uh tricks with playing cards and coins and those sorts of things like tigers um i've yeah and i've uh well what a specific reference (laughs) um but i've made friends all over the world through that many of which i've never met and some of which i've had some very deep conversations and helped them through some very dark times so this insanely connected world that we live in definitely has plenty of benefits and uh in my sort of topic i hope i didn't scare everyone and make us all think that oh my god the internet is our death but definitely share positives or negative stories either one will be happy to hear from anyone um but any final notes from you guys everybody should share their favorite pokemon as well that's right you i can... can't wait oh go for it sean uh, no we'll <laughs> edit that because i spoke over people it's okay what did you want to say? No, it's not nothing to do with Pokemon. F- Pokemon. F- Lapras, actually. F- you, Sean. No, f- Lapras. <laughs> All right. I got paralyzed so much. Like this one guy I was playing, he just had Lapras. He paralyzed every guy ahead. He always got heads. Like I was always paralyzed. You can't really do much when you're paralyzed. You just die. Fuck Lapras. That is pretty true. All right. I'm going to bring this to an end. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can find us at our wonderful website at www.alloftheabove.audio. Please subscribe to our show, and if you like it, rate it and review the show on iTunes. It helps other people find us. More importantly, we'd love to hear your feedback. Head over to alloftheabove.audio slash contact to get in touch however you'd like. And if you're interested in visiting sites that go more in-depth with what we talked about, you can go ahead and go to alloftheabove.audio slash episodes slash 007. 007. Yes, 007. And uh, also join us next week when we have our first guest on the show, Connor Mason. He's a copywriter at Punchkick Interactive in Chicago, and he's actually written two ebooks within the past year. So we couldn't think of a better person to help us tackle our next topic, ebooks. Until next week, keep on sending smiling piles of poo to each other. All right, I'm hitting stop.